0: Let's pray. Lord, we are so glad that we have another day in your presence. We have another grace with you. We have the extension of your hand and your blessing to enjoy. We trust that as we listen to your word today, you will bless us exceedingly. And Lord, you will do something new in our lives. We are grateful, Lord, that as these words get appropriated in our lives, We will see wonders, miracles. We will walk in the new wine experience. We will begin to become vessels of honor unto your name. And you will be glorified. We are so grateful, Lord. And we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. I started talking about new wine, overcoming the inadequacies of our circumstances. We know that we have shortfalls, we have shortcomings, we have inadequacies, we have so much going on, but we have very little supply. Because we don't have a lot, we don't have much, most often whatever we have is not adequate, is not sufficient. And those inadequacies can be addressed under the new wine. I believe that the new one gives us the opportunity to be able to allow God to fill in the gaps. And the holes that are created because we don't have what it takes to be able to do what we have to do. The story we read, we chose it from John chapter 2 verse 1 to 12. And in John chapter 2, I believe many of us have read it and we are very familiar with this scripture. It talks about a guy who felt he was up to the task. He was going to get married. Just like many of us feel that, oh, we have prepared enough. We want to get married. So he had prepared himself to get married. And the wedding was on. The celebration was on. But he had a very big hole in the wedding. In the middle of the wedding, the wine was finished. And in those days, weddings became weddings by the wine you served. So the major component, the main thing that made the wedding special was out of place. And the society he lived in was so much particular about serving people and making them have married because it had everything to do with your ability to provide for your wife. If you said you have prepared yourself to provide for a wife, then your supply of wine at a celebration should not be finished. If it finishes, it means that your wife is going to suffer. And women were totally reliant on their husbands. So this was going to be a big problem for this guy. But God was ahead of him. God loved him. And God made provision ahead of him of that problem. Before you even realized, God had stepped in. And it was a wonderful experience. I I would like to read this scripture again. I want to go through it. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. And I'm reading from the NIV. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw draw some out. And take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servant who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Verse 11 says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capanium with his mother, And brothers and his disciples there they stayed for a few days if you were here when I did the introductory part of this we narrated how this became the report of John the author of this particular gospel which we call the fourth gospel we have the Matthew gospel we have the Mark gospel we have the Luke gospel but when you come to the fourth gospel which was uttered by John he had a different approach and a different way and here in John chapter 2 we are being told that this was a unique experience the first miracle or the first sign that Jesus did in his ministry and John decided to present that and make it big because to him it was a revelation and it was something that meant more than the ordinary person could understand So we went through all that and talked about the whole introductory part. And I also established the whole setting of the case. How everything came into place at the wedding. How Jesus was invited. How his disciples were invited. How the mother was invited. And the brothers were invited. Meaning that there was some connection between Jesus' family and the person that was marrying. They were either friends. All they were family people. Because all of them converged at the place and it was not an accident. It was a plantain. So Jesus had gone to a relative or a friend's or a neighbor's wedding. And at that place, nobody knew him. To be the Messiah or the miracle worker. I'm sure that probably some element of miracles had been seen in his family. But it was not to any large scale. And here, the Bible says that. He did his first miracle. We went through some of the bases and settled all that. But I don't want to go into that because it will be like taking you back on the sermon. And if I do that, I'll not be able to proceed. Because even today, I'll not be able to finish. So I have to just move on, do a little bit summary further down the line and get into what I want to say today. The second thing I want to address today is the fact that a need arose. A need rises most often. Sometimes, when you don't expect a need to arise, is when a need arises. Most often in our lives, when we think we have prepared enough to meet every question that comes our way, is when we face questions that we didn't prepare for and we don't have answers for. Life is a challenge and if you are so much prepared for life and you're not going to lack anything, then it's not life. Life has a way of throwing things at you. Life has a way of surprising you. Life has a way to make you feel like you have failed or things are messed up. Life will take you to a point where you need intervention. You need a serious breakthrough and if that doesn't happen, you know that you're going down the drain. Like I said earlier, this man had prepared for his wedding. How many years? And here he was at the wedding, and in the middle of it, something went wrong. I told you two weeks ago that somebody said Newton's third law of life. is If something will go wrong, it would. And most often, they go wrong, and we don't prepare for it. I realized as a pastor that most often when we have programs and something is happening, an activity is happening, that's where we begin to have problems. All of a sudden they take electricity and you realize that you don't have a generator and you're looking around and saying, what am I going to do? I said I'll buy one and I haven't. Things go wrong. Sometimes a speaker blows up or something goes off and you are are turning around. This wedding had a challenge like every other wedding will have. If you have a wedding and the makeup artist didn't show up. You have a wedding and your pastries and your your drinks didn't come on time. And everybody wants to eat and they are all sitting and waiting. And the caterer says, oh, I had a serious problem. There was too much salt, so I have to cook again. What are you going to do? It is going to be chaotic. So a need arose in the life of this man having a wedding at this particular time. And I think it speaks to all of us. What we see at this place is the role of Mary. Mary was not just a relative or or an ordinary visitor to the place. Bible says that she discovered that the wine was finished. Whilst even the bridegroom and the bride and the master of ceremony The chief of the banquet was not aware of it. How come the coordinator of the wedding didn't realize that the wine was finished, but Mary knew about it? It means Mary was hovering around the kitchen or the serving area. She was not an ordinary person. She was a relative who had come to help. And probably an assignment had been given to her to take care of the wine. And she realized that the wine was finished. Where are you going to go and buy wine at that hour? At what quantity are you going to get? So she knew that it was only a miracle that could save them. So what did Mary do? She quickly went through her brains and her her memory and realized that there's somebody in the house that is a son to her but had shown signs of performing miracles. And probably she wanted to demonstrate and let people know that her son could do something. So She went quickly to Jesus and she said, the wine is finished. Last two weeks, I told you about how Jesus answered her. Jesus said, what has that got to do with you and me? If the wine is finished, it's finished. We are are just guests at a wedding. What has that got to do with us? If somebody is preparing for a wedding and never prepared for eventualities like that, how am I going to save the person? It's not my business. Then he went on to say something else. He said, my hour has not come. It's not just an issue of, it's not my business, but it's also an issue of what I'm going to do. Because what I'm going to do must be on time. It must be God's plan. It must be God's purpose. I believe that God has a moment and a point of manifestation for every one of us. God has a time when he wants to bring you to limelight. God has a time when he wants you to begin a ministry or begin to do something. Some of us, in our brain, there's no timeline. We think that once God is in it, it must happen. But God has a timeline. And Jesus said, my hour. If you're familiar with this hour Jesus was talking about, we see this hour when he was crucified, when he was arrested, when he was beaten, when he was taken to the cross. He called that his hour. This is the same hour that his father forsook him. His father took his eyes off him because the sins of the world were packed on him. And he hung on the cross. And he shouted, he said, Eli, Eli, lama my father, why have you forsaken me? This is the hour, a serious moment where what he came to do on earth was on. That was the cutting edge of his whole ministry. To save the world and mankind from sin. And he said, that hour has not come. And when he said that, Mary turned around and spoke to the people that were servants at the place and said, whatever he tells you, do it. Then she walks away. She knew Jesus could do something about it. That's why she told Jesus about it. She knew that Jesus... We'll be compelled to do something about it. So she told Jesus. And her response was faith in Jesus. Just told the people whatever he tells you. Do it. I said to you two weeks ago that Jesus' response to her was not rudeness. It wasn't hostility. Jesus was not angry with his own mother to say, Woman, what has that got to do with you? It's not my hour. Because in that day or those periods, that era, it was a form of address. Just like you would say lady today. They would say woman, mother. But Jesus never called her mother at this particular time. Jesus said woman. So we we see all this and we see the passion that surrounds all that. And we talked about that, so I want to quickly move on to something else, which I believe is important. Throughout the gospel, we see Jesus' clear awareness that he must not plunge into fame too quickly. Jesus was aware of himself that he wasn't supposed to plunge into fame so quickly. He had lived 30 years and God had a timing for his ministry which was going to be three and a half years. But at that particular point, he was pondering if that was the will and the time of God for him to begin his ministry. His mom was pushing him to do something, but look, there are things that even prayer cannot change. He was God and man at the same time. But he knew timing. He knew that the moment he manifests himself as a miracle worker, the Jews were going to come after him. He knew that the Pharisees were going to criticize him. And from that point, he would be racing against time. So if he starts so quickly, they will not allow him to mature in ministry. What was going to happen is he wouldn't have enough time to disciple his disciples. He wouldn't have time to invest in them because after he, he's gone, the whole ministry depended on this twelve. They were going to take it to another level and they needed enough time to have that investment from him. But if he reveals himself so quickly and the Jews come after him and take him out, what is going to happen? Maybe the whole thing will be cut into one, one year or two years and he knew that they would not be ready for it. So he was very careful not to come out so quickly. That is why Jesus waited till he was 30 years. Because he knew that once they get to know, they're going to fight him. I want you to know that there is a timing on your life. Once the enemy gets to know that you are who you are, he's going to start battling you. He's going to start fighting you. But some of us, as much as we are not prepared, sometimes we want to Put out ourselves to the world to show that we are ready, whilst we are not ready. And we do that through various means. Some of us are on social media writing stuff about us, but you have not matured into that. You create enemies before you even start walking. You are crawling and you are setting enemies around you. You don't even wait to launch into your ministry. Because you are too quick. Others are going, so you have to be too fast. The relationship you started, the man has not even proposed to you, but you are telling everybody you're having a wedding. And your friends will tell you, let's see how the wedding comes on. And they start looking for who you're going to get married and start telling them stuff. Sometimes certain things are aborted before their time because we don't have enough patience to allow God to do what he's doing. We get ahead of God. We get ahead of what God has planned. You know that the devil is not like God. The devil doesn't know everything. He has ways to know what is happening. But your future is embedded in God. God knows that, it's not the devil. But the moment he hears about it, like the moment the devil heard that Jesus was born, he decided to eliminate Jesus. And he went after Jesus, trying to kill baby Jesus. And that's how the devil operated. So Jesus knew this, and Bible says that he was not so quick to be seen. He was reserved, waiting for the right moment. Because he knew that once it is on, it was on. And he was going to press through. Sometimes he would tell people, after he had done a miracle, don't tell anybody. Why? Because he knew that publicity was going to take him out so quickly. Some of us want quick and cheap publicity. Today, people do bad so that they'll be talked about because they think they want to be popular by just bad news. So they do wrong stuff. All these slave queens and people that come and and, and kiss and tell and do all kinds of things and come on social media and talk about somebody who is famous, somebody who is prominent that they've slept with and they talk about it on social media is because they are attracting attention. They want people to know that they are there. But you do that, they will take you out. You, you've never tried. Go to certain countries and affect people who are in power. At night, special security forces will pick you up and you will not leave. They will kill you before you even <laughs> begin, to, begin to leave. Why? Because you are trying to make cheap publicity for yourself. Jesus wouldn't allow manipulating publicity. So he slowed everything down. He wanted to have enough time to be prepared to be able to reach out. This tells me that Jesus' eyes was clearly on his chief purpose. There's a purpose why you are here. Set your eyes on that purpose. There are other things surrounding your purpose and other things that are normal. Please don't focus on those things. Set your eyes on your chief purpose. The reason why Jesus was doing all this was not because he didn't want to be nice. It was not because he didn't want to be known. But he had something to protect. Sometimes we don't step on the stage because we have something to protect. Sometimes we don't do certain things because we have something to protect. And if you try doing other things, what you are meant to protect will get out of your hands. And Jesus had his purpose in mind. He wasn't going to be in a hurry. Why are you in a rush? Why are you in a rush? So many of us are in a rush. You are in a rush to get rich. But you've not even finished your school. You are in a rush to get into a relationship. But you are five years away from marriage. And now you can't study because somebody broke your heart. Now you can't do what you have to do. When we're at encounter, one of the things I was telling certain people is... Never get into a relationship if you want to marry. Never get into a relationship without the intention of marriage. But most of us, what we do is, we just want to do what the world is doing. We want to have boyfriend, girlfriend. You don't know when you're going to get married, but everybody's getting into a relationship, so let me get into a relationship. And you are giving your Gary away. You are giving your sugar away as a guy. You are giving the little money they've given you from home away. And you know that you are not ready. Because sometimes the people you sit in the same lecture hall, the women are very far ahead of you. How many of us marry our classmates? The women will be marrying men that are five years and ten years older than them. So as you are sitting, you are sitting with her in the lecture hall. But her husband-to-be is already a minister. Her husband to be, he's already built his house. You are now crawling, and you, you get into that relationship, and, and before you know, who get broken heart? You can't pass your exam. You fail, you bump. You bump. And when you bump, you put your hand on your head. Because you never defended what you are here for. You were just having fun. We must be able to protect what is ahead of us. When Mary said to Jesus, the wine is finished. And Jesus said, what has that got to do with me? My time has not come. You realize that Mary did not utter a word. She didn't say anything to Jesus. She was not going to get into argument with Jesus and said, do something. Oh, my son, help me. Don't disgrace me. She didn't say anything of that sort. The moment Jesus said that, she turned away. When you look at verse 5, you can see that. But I believe her turning away and being quiet was an explicit agreement on the fact that Jesus had the option to take the initiative by himself. I'm not going to force you, Jesus. You have every right to decide when you want to do it. I wouldn't argue with you. Let it remain with you. Initiative must be an act by yourself when you are ready. I want you to know that you cannot force God to do things in your life when he's not ready to do it. None of us can force God. Some of us are begging God. Some of us are bribing God, as Ghanaian as we are. Some of us are manipulating God and twisting God's hands. We are saying things and say, God, if you are really God, do this to prove. And God said, I am God. That's why I will not do it. I don't have to prove myself. I am God. I'm not going to surprise just you, one little human being on earth, out of billions of people, just to prove that I'm God because of you. Because of you living in a a tiny room somewhere, God must prove himself to be God by doing something. No, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. So, God cannot be manipulated. Mary knew that Jesus couldn't be manipulated. He said, no, let me leave him alone. (laughs) When he's ready, he will act. All your petitions and prayers that you put before God, when God is ready, he will act. Please stop begging God. Some of us are even commanding God. I command you. You command God. You are commanding God to act in your life. How is God going to do that? If you can command God, then God is miserable. Because if every one of us is commanding God, whose instruction is he going to take? It's going to be tough. I used to refer to the movie Bruce Almighty, if you have watched that movie. When Bruce got angry because he he liked the girl and he was praying for the girl and the prayer was not coming through because somebody else liked the girl and he wasn't getting answers. Then he said, if I were God, if I can become God for a short time, I would have answered everybody's prayer. (laughs) You see, sometimes when you get angry, you say things. If I happen to be God, I wouldn't behave like God is behaving. God is not answering certain prayers. Let me be God. I'll answer everybody's prayer. And God heard it. And God said, okay, I'll let you be God for two weeks. Let's see what you do with the powers. Then Bruce became empowered. You know what he was doing with the power? He sees things and he wants to show that he, he is powerful. And he will do something. And before you know, what, uh, uh, the water hydrant just gets burst. And water is all over the street. He would see something, he would make his hand lighted and something turned over. He he was just messing up with the powers. Then he said, where are the prayers of the people? I want to answer all of them. And he said, all prayers answered. What he forgot is he's not the only person who has been praying for the girl. So if all prayers are answered, (laughs) then other people's prayer was ahead of you. So he lost the girl. Then he realized that I'm being a fool. Look, sometimes we think we are wiser than God. God, if only you would do it now. And God said, I'm not going to do it now. I know better than you. God, only if you give me a brand new car now. Some of you wish at school you have a car and you're just driving. And every, every girl is looking at you and you're driving. And yeah, yeah that, that means My friend, you'll be walking and not drive. Even bicycle, you'll not get one. Because there is a time for everything. God wants you to pass the test of walking before you drive. God wants you to pass the test of having nothing in your pocket before you are able to write checks. We must trust God and we must allow God to act. Mary allowed Jesus. She just trusted that at his own time, he would do something. And we cannot force God. But she didn't go quiet. Although she didn't respond to Jesus, what did she do? She told the servant, Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. This phrase is a very powerful phrase. This phrase goes back to the period. Of the Jews when they were in Egypt. Or just before they got to Egypt. Joseph was ahead of them. When Joseph saw the dream of farming. And how God is going to bless them with food. And how they have to store the food. And get away from the farming and all that. And stood before Pharaoh and interpreted the dream. Pharaoh had trust in Joseph. Joseph. And when it came to the point of finding a minister, an economic minister or a Greek minister, or somebody to store the food and protect them from farming, he said, Who is better than you? You had a dream. He said, Whatever, whatever this man tells you, do it. He's a foreigner. He's just been released from jail. He's an ex convict. But the grace of God upon him is so much that he has the grace to redeem us from seven years' farming. Whatever he tells you, don't say, I'm not listening, he's a foreigner. When did you come here? I'm here before you came. He said, none of those nonsense. Give this man complete cooperation. Whatever he tells you, do it. That is reminiscent of confidence in a person. So Mary had confidence in Jesus and said, whatever he tells you, do it. He has some ability. Whatever he tells you, do it. She demonstrated trust in Jesus' ability to address the need that had arisen. You must demonstrate trust in Jesus. You must. Many of us, when something happens and a miracle happens, then we start dancing. Hey, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, but... Before the miracle happened, you were confused. Mary will not wait for the miracle to happen. She had complete trust in Jesus that whatever he says is going to work. So, whatever he says, listen. I think all of us should take a clue from that word. Whatever he says, we must listen. Some of us are going to Mary to beg Mary. Mary, can can you please go and beg Jesus for us? You know, our culture, that's how it is. Somebody misbehave at your workplace and you fire the person. And they go and beg the chief. Follow me to go and beg. It's only in Africa, when you get fired, you bring the chief. You bring elders. You bring your mother and father to the workplace to come and beg. When you were misbehaving? (laughs) Where were your parents? (laughs) So, some people have made a doctrine out of that, that Mary was able to get Jesus to act. So, When they are praying and it's not going through, maybe when they pray to Mary, Mary will help them. Mary said, I can help no one. (laughs) Whatever he tells you, do it. It's not what I tell him. He does what he wants to do. Listen to the man, not me. Whatever he tells you, do it. And that will be a powerful advice to us. We know that Jesus Acceded to her wishes. Perhaps I said two weeks ago, maybe he felt dutiful that as a son he had to do something. Or maybe he realized that maybe this is the opportunity I've been praying along. This is the beginning of my ministry. Maybe this is the timing. And I believe that after Mary had left, God communicated to him and said, Son, go ahead and do it. This is the time I had all along. So it coincided. So Jesus had to do something. Bible says, the miracle happened. And after the miracle happened, in verse 11, we are told that the disciples believed in Jesus after the miracle. When Jesus called them to come and follow him, they have some sort of belief in Jesus. That is why they came to follow Jesus. But after this miracle, the belief level... Took a higher dimension. Oh, we came to you because we felt you could do this. And now you can do this. So all of a sudden, they believed in Jesus in another dimension. Some of us only believe in Jesus when we see things done. When we see miracles happen. When he answers our prayers. But that is different. Like I said earlier, it's different. Mary believed Jesus. In the efficacy of Jesus' words. Mary believed. That before the miracle happened, Mary said, whatever he tells you, the word that is spoken out of Jesus, the word that came will come out of his mouth, believe it, trust it enough. See that as equivalent to a miracle. Don't wait for the miracle to happen. Words that come out of his mouth. The word of God is powerful. It's powerful than prophecy. It's powerful than any double-edged sword. It's powerful than anything. You see, he did nothing without the word. By the word, he created everything. He called the things that be not as though they were. He spoke and it came to pass. He said, let there be. And there was. Right from the beginning, everything you see today... It's a different story with those that have the big bang theory. and It's a different story with creationism. Creationism tells us that his words, his words, his words build everything. But big bang will tell you that, oh, everything started with a big bang between two objects. Well, where did they come from? And how did they have that big bang? Who did the initial bank? <laughs> they don't have answers. It's confusing to trust them than to trust the word of God. The word of God says that in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was op- upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God hovered upon the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light by his words. And Mary believed in the efficacy of the word of God. When a word is spoken to you, it is better. It's as good as having the physical object. Let me give you an illustration. If two people give you a check. Let's say Pastor Ben gives you a check. And Pastor France gives you a check. Which one would you cherish? Depending on the amount. Five six check. we know he has. 20 he has. Maybe 1,000. But both give you a check of 50,000 to go and withdraw from the bank. Straight away, whilst you are taking the check from Pastor Ben, you call the bank to check whether he has that money. You want to be sure. You are not going to walk to the bank and realize he doesn't have 50,000 because you have some doubt. You look at him, hey, I don't think you have 50,000. But Pastor France gives you 50000 You feel it's as good as done. Before you even go to the bank, you start buying things. Whether the money is there or not, you have confidence. You believe. Look, when the word of God comes to you, you must believe it as done. Accomplished. The disciples saw the miracle before they could believe Jesus. But Mary believed in the words of Jesus. Said, whatever he tells you. Do it because in it lies your breakthrough, your miracle, and your elevation. Whatever. Whatever he tells you, do it. And that was a powerful thing that she did. She trusted that whatever Jesus said was going to come to pass. Now, let me get to the third part. A miracle addressed that need. And we see that from verse 6 to verse 8 of John chapter 2. That the need that arose, the need that made Mary to petition Jesus, the need that Jesus spoke a word and gave instruction, that need met a miracle. A miracle addressed the need. And remember, we are talking about overcoming the inadequacies of our lives. The new wine will meet the inadequacies of our life and a miracle came to pass. So I want to spend this time to talk about that miracle. In verse 6 to 8, as I said, Jesus told the servant to fill six stone water jars. It happened that Where they were having the party, there were six stone water jars. Why stone? The Jewish people chose stone water jars because when you put water in a stone jar, it doesn't leak. When you put it in a clay, anything can happen, it can break. But stone is solid, right? It's not going to break. It doesn't fall from anybody's hand. You can't lift it anyway. You just leave it where it is. So stone is a safer container of water because it's able to sustain the water that is put in. It doesn't sink. The water doesn't disappear. So these were stone water jars. And the Bible says that at the banquet, these stone water jars were there. They were all around. What were they used for? They were used for ritual washing of hands and vessels. Look, the Jews, I believe at that time, didn't have any idea about gems Because they didn't have the technology to manufacture or or, or, or make microscope to see virus as little as they are. There were no microscopes, so they never saw Gems and virus and all that. They they didn't see that. But God who knows all things. Gave them ceremonial rituals. And by following those rituals. They protected themselves from illnesses and diseases. You read the account of the Jewish people. How they dealt with people who had leprosy. It's fantastic. They were not expert medical people. But they were able to keep people with leprosy out of the city before you 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 come into the city you have to be healed and you have to meet some there was no special doctor so you meet the priest the priest who examine you to know that you are healed or you are not healed God gave them all those ideas and if you were a leper what you do is you have bells or cans or something making noise when you are coming and you are making noise and you are shouting I am a leper, I'm approaching, I'm approaching. So everybody will run away. They had means to deal with little, little problems that today technology helps us to deal with. They didn't know anything about gems, but ceremonial washing of hands. Every Jew believed that before they took food into their mouth, their hands had to be washed. Not because of gems, but because of religious activities, ceremony. And that ceremony had the power to cleanse them from illness and gems and other things they didn't see. So at every function or gathering, these stones will be there and they will fill it with water and people will wash their hands before they eat. And mind you, this was a party. They were going to eat. So they had six of them seated all over the place. Why is the Bible saying six? I believe, I don't want to dwell on, on, on the jars, the water jars, but six tells us something. Six is the number of a man. Six is a sign of incompleteness. Why not seven stones? Water jars. Why only six? Because just one more, you have seven. Seven is the number of God. Seven is completeness. But six water jars tells us what religion entails. It tells us that everything is human. It tells us that religion can be, can be destructive. Look, many of us are trying to be religious, but the worst thing you can ever do to your life is to become religious. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. A religion is man looking for God. And if man is looking for God, man goes through different means. We see water. We think this will be a channel to God. We see stone. We say this can be a God to lead us to God. We see cow. Meat we're supposed to eat. We said this can be God. Because man is trying to get to God. And man doesn't have the final destination. We mess up. That is religion. So religion kills. Religion has enslaved many people. Religion has created confusion. Protestants and Catholics can fight and kill themselves. Islam and Christianity... They can fight, and they call it crusades, and they kill each other. Religion has caused division. Religion is like living in a house, and you support Manchester United, and your wife supports Manchester City. They're all Manchester, but they're different. And when they have a match (laughs) at home, now the children are audience. Where do they go to? Dad or mom. That's what religion does. Religion can create problems. But Christianity is God looking for man. And God knows your address. God knows where you are. So at the appointed time, Jesus was sent to us. Because God knows how to reach us. That is Christianity. The religious symbol that they had there, the stones... When it was needed the most, for its purpose, it lacked the ability to provide what it was supposed to provide. There was no water in them. They were empty. Religion is empty. Please, don't don't get busy with religion because it is empty. It takes you nowhere. Religion is not going to make a difference in your life. But Christ is going to. It's, it's, it's interesting why sometimes people think that they are busy doing something for God. And God is watching them and he's saying, you've missed it. You've missed it. Six water jars. These were sitting there. And Bible says that Jesus gave an instruction. The Bible is also very particular about the content, the capacity of these stone jars. He said each of them can take what? 20 to 30 gallons of water. I think God wanted us to know that. That's why John wrote it. Who cares about how how the quantity of water it can take? But the scripture is mentioning 20 to 30 gallons of water goes into each. It means God wants us to see something right there. Jesus now said, fill it. With water. He told the servant to fill it. I want you to look at the attitude of the servant. For a moment. You are a servant at a party. Please think through. This was not the beginning of a party. A party that has finished the first consignment of wine. That is supposed to carry them through. Means the party has been on for a long time. Do you know that in those days. Weddings could be as long as one week. One week. One week. They are eating and drinking. For one week, nobody goes anywhere. So when you have a guest, you really have a guest. So I believe that it's about the third day or fourth day or somewhere like that. So the servants in the house are worn out. They are carrying firewood. They are going this way, that way. Then here comes a man who sits somewhere. And the mother comes and says, whatever he says, do it. And the man opens his mouth and says, fill the water jars with water. Ah. (laughs) Where did he come from? Why is he giving us a job? Look, every one of them, six of them, every one of them is going to take 20 to 30 gallons. So they have to fetch water and fill it. From where they were having a party, I'm sure to the neighborhood well was a distance. Because you go further to John chapter 4, we hear about Jesus standing By the well, outside the city, meeting a woman and talking by the well. This woman, that will come daytime to fetch water because she had had five men in her life. And the last one was not even her husband. She will come from the city. When she met Jesus, she threw her water bottle or jar away and ran. Bible says she ran to the city to announce that I've seen the Messiah. So look at the distance. It's definitely not just your tap. In the house where you open, you run. It's it's a distance out. And these servants are told, fill this with water. It was likely that the containers they used to fetch water, going that distance, could take one gallon or maximum two gallons. So can you just imagine if you are filling six of 30 gallons and your container can take two gallons. How many trips do you have to make? Ah. So, who is this Jesus giving me this trouble? Who is asking me to do the impossible? I'm already worn out. I've been working since this party. Now we are to fetch water. But look at the attitude of these servants. Bible says, they didn't say a word. They feel this. Jesus said they should feel it. But Bible goes on to emphatically state where the level of the water was. It said, they filled it to the brim. Meaning that they came to the point where the water was flowing over. If it were to be you, you would fill the water halfway. One, I see sacrifice on their part. They sacrifice. Two, they decided to maximize their potential. That they will not just rest at anything, they will only rest at their best, at the maximum ability they had. Many of us, when we are asked to do things, one, we refuse to sacrifice. Today's sacrifice has gone through the roof. People don't want to sacrifice. Everybody wants comfort, everybody wants to enjoy, but nobody wants sacrifice. We all run away from sacrifice. Anything we see special work involved, we run. We run away from things that will task us, things that will give us challenges. And the servants, without complaint, welcome it. They went how many times? One gallon, one gallon, one gallon, one gallon, and filled the first jar, 30 gallons. The next one, 30 gallons. Six of them. Whoa. About 150 gallons. And they didn't just fill it and leave it anywhere. Even now, when you buy Coca-Cola or Fanta, they don't fill the bottle. Ah, I bought some drink, and the thing was ah, even machine filling doesn't fill it to the brim. But these people they fetch the water and they fill it to the brim. It was at the top. Wow. What kind of energy! they took initiative to do it and they did their best. Let the best in you come out. When you are asked to sacrifice, don't say, you asked me to go one mile, so I've gone one mile. Bible says if you are asked to go one mile, go how many miles? Two miles. Anytime you are asked to give a sacrifice, please do it beyond the expectation of people. And that is why in my house, anytime my wife, when I'm going out and she asks me, we don't have salt at home. Can you bring salt? We don't have pepper at home. Bring pepper. We don't have... We, we, we need oil. We, we, we need this. And I said, okay, I'll bring you oil. And she will give me a warning. Please, buy moderately. Because anytime she asks me to buy salt, I can go for about six Olonka salt and bring it to the house. I said, where am I going to store all this? You bought... Because... I want to buy beyond what you ask so that next time you don't send me. I buy more than is needed. I'm always with a mindset that I have to go beyond what you ask. And that is the attitude of God. That's why the Bible says that if you being human as fathers, your children ask you for bread and you don't give them stones. They ask you for meat and don't give them serpent. How much more your father. That you ask him the Holy Ghost. And he will not freely give you. God always go beyond what you ask. And God expects you to maximize your potential. My friend. Any time you are asked to do something is an opportunity. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to reveal what is in you. You can do it gradually and bring out a false witness of yourself or you can do your best and bring the best out of yourself and you'll be on demand. Hello? I said you'll be what? You'll be on demand. Let's say you are asked to sink. And you join the choir. Oh, I'm tired. I can't go for Reza. And then they give you the song. You don't learn the song properly. You come and stand here Sunday. And you, you, you pull your mobile phone out. And you are reading the song. Uh, uh, and you close. And you go and sit down. People just laugh. You've done your job. But let me tell you. You never slept. You were on the song 24-7. You were praying. You said, God, this is an opportunity for me. Let it be a miracle. And you come here and five people are seated and you take the microphone and you sing your heart out and even collapse. They pick you up and you go and sit down. You know what you've done? Maybe out of the five people. Somebody from Hollywood who auditioned musicians to sing on a bigger stage was sitting in the crowd. And they close the service and come to you and say, sister, you have a voice. There's a new movie coming up, and we think you can do the title song. Hello? What, what do you think about that? That is going to be your breakthrough. Where did that come from when you decided to maximize your potential? This generation, we do just the minimum. And that's what I get frustrated with when it comes to my children sometimes. Not a bad stop. It's in every home. Every child does that. And now they are grown, so I I, I don't even have to call them children. But when they were young, you ask them, they are playing. And in the middle of the play, they're doing things. They don't want to go anywhere. They say, hey, fetch me water. Then they go and take a glass and they stop the game. They go and fetch water and come and put it on the table for you. And they turn around. Hey, come here. (laughs) Why didn't you put it in my hand? They're in a hurry. Did you wash the glass? No. (laughs) You didn't wash the glass? (laughs) <laughs> right, they will do just a little bit of what you ask them it's with every child you ask them to do something they do the little, the barest minimum and get away with it but friends, what is going to be at the cutting edge is not doing your barest minimum what is going to be at the cutting edge is maximizing your potential doing the best you can ever do school want to do a magazine and they put you in the Do the job as if you're a professional journalist. Make the research that you have to make. Put your best out there. Somebody picks a magazine and says, hey, who did this? You have a publishing job. Go extra and in the house of God, when we are asked to do things, it's the same thing. We must do it. We must do it. They feel it to the brim. And one thing I like about them, when they finished, With the water. I'm sure they were too tired. After filling it to the brim. So everyone should go and sleep. Isn't it? But they had the courtesy to go to Jesus. And said master. We are done. Say order. Say order. There must be order. Sometimes we go the second mile. But we refuse to do what we are supposed to do. They went back to Jesus to give a feedback. Most of us are not careful with accountability. We don't want to give feedback of our lives. We don't want to give feedback of what we're doing. You, ask, you are asked to do a job. And when you get to do the job, you just go your way. You don't go back. You don't report. Your life must have accountability connected to it. Just like Jesus healed ten lepers and only one came to thank him. Only one returned. He said, where are the nine? And you are the only person that came and you are, you are a foreigner. And he said, go and you are made whole. It means that now your, your, your leprosy is gone, but beyond the healing, all the limbs that got missing are going to come back. When people see you, they will never see that you ever had leprosy. You are now made whole. The others are healed, but when people see them, they will still see That their limbs and their nose is missing. That is what returning and bringing report does. You must be accountable for your life. You must be accountable for whatever you do. And that will bring you to another level. They came back and said, master, we are done. They reported. Order. Order. They reported. And I make the last point and I close for today. The servant did not do the miracles. How many of us know that? The servant didn't do the miracles. They fetched the water, but they didn't do the miracle. But they were part of the miracle. They rejoiced with Jesus. Why? Because they were obedient. When we are obedient, we can celebrate with Jesus. Their effort alone was not completely sufficient. But because they obeyed Jesus, they shared in the joy of the miracle. I believe they were blessed exceedingly because they were faithful. If they were lazy and they had half of the water jars, what would have happened? The miracle came, the wine would be half, 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 half. But when the wine came, it was full, full, full to the brim. Why? Because... Somebody who fetched the water was faithful. Are you faithful? Would you sacrifice? Would you take initiative and do everything to the highest order? Or you just touch it a bit and just pull out? There are some people, a job is given to you, don't do it well. You mess it up. But these people were faithful. They worked hard. I believe that obedience and cooperation on the path of us will go a long way. If we follow instruction and we do what Jesus wants us to do, I believe that our lives will not be the same and miracles will be everywhere in the world. They could have complained, but they didn't. They did what they had to do. This is the last point I was talking about. For the interpretation of the whole miracle. What matters most is that a whole lot of water became a whole lot of wine. A whole lot of water became a whole lot of wine. Why? Because the one who did the miracle was there. But the people who cooperated with him also cooperated fully. They fetched the water to the brim. They sacrifice and they ensure that everything was at the highest level. Efficiency, excellence, at the top. Please don't do anything that you are given to, anyhow. When you are asked to be an usher, you shake the hands of people, even if they are your enemy, smile. Do the job to the highest professional, and God will bless you. I don't know where God is raising you to, I don't know what He's going to do in your life, but sacrifice, and doing it to the maximum is going to open the door for you. Some, one of these days, as people leave your office and you stay and do extra work and you're sitting late, something will come up and you'll be the one they will call upon. Let everybody go home and cook for their husband. And you are sitting there because you have to finish the work. It is an extra credit. Anything your boss gives you. Do it to the highest potential. Some people say, oh, I'm not paid enough. This this job doesn't pay. You think I have to sacrifice myself for it? Well, if it doesn't pay, stop and go to where it pays. But as long as you take that job, it doesn't matter how much they give you. What you have to do is you have to sacrifice and you have to do it to the highest order. That is what you have to do. And if we do that, our nation will be transformed. Our lives will be transformed. We can trust people and we can turn things around and we will be productive. We will see miracles that God does. But we will see ourselves as worthy to celebrate that miracle with him. Because we did our part. If you don't do your part and God worked the miracle, how are you going to rejoice with God? I beseech us today that let's take a clue from this. God is going to fill in the vacancies, the inadequacies of our life. God is going to come in. He's going to produce a new wine. Just like he produced a new wine at this wedding. And that new wine will come when we cooperate with him. When we sacrifice. When we do our part. When we do it to the highest level. When we, we, we cry out to God. Yesterday, we, we, even this morning, as early as this morning, 2 a.m., I, I could just feel the presence of God and the Holy Ghost fill the hall when we were having an encounter. And people were falling all over. And people were praying and they don't want to stop. And it was like... Meanwhile, we said we were going to sleep. And now I was going around asking people, how are we going to stop these people from praying? How are we going to get them to go and sleep? Because we'll go to church in the morning. People didn't want to go and sleep. They were just praying. These were people who were tired. May the Holy Spirit descend on us. Give us revelation and skill and ability so we can go the second mile. Would you rise this morning? I don't know where you need God to fill in, but God is here. God is here. He wants to fill a part in your life. He wants to fill a part in your life. He wants to fill a part in your life, but He needs your cooperation and sacrifice. He needs you to work with Him. We are trusting God today that God will come through for you. God will deal with that inadequacy in your life, that shortfall, that That insufficiency, God will do that miracle. I don't know where you need Him, but He knows where He needs to step in. And as you talk to Him today, trust Him that He will come through for you. I want you to bow down your head and I want you to start talking to God and say, God, let my life be complete. Let my life be whole. Let my life be filled with your grace and power. Give me that mind to be obedient, give me that grace. To sacrifice and go the second mile. The grace to maximize my potential. To get to the highest order in everything that I'm asked to do so that it will please you. You open doors for me. Fill my life, Lord. Let me be an agent of a miracle. Let me be an agent of a miracle. Ask God to come and fill your life. Ask him, ask him, ask him to do something new. Something new today in your life. Ask him to do something precious today. Ask him to step in. Let him intervene in that situation and provide your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Maybe you are in the position of the bridegroom. Your wine is not enough. The journey you are are on, your resources, they are not enough. Your money is not enough for your fees. Your money is not enough to take care of you. Your money is not enough for the rent. Your money is not enough for something. But God is here. God will fill that space. He's producing a new wine. He's bringing a new idea. Creativity. God is generating something new. That problem is going to be overcome. God is going to show a miracle. Talk to him today. I want to hear you talk to God. Cry to him like never before. Put yourself on the line and say, I obey your word. I take your word as on higher value. And Lord, let your word manifest in my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 let Jesus come through. let him prevail in your life, let him prevail in your life. Let him prevail. Let him prevail, let him prevail, let him prevail, let him prevail, let him prevail. Because a miracle of a new wine is taking place in your life. A miracle of a new wine, a miracle. This year, may that miracle be made manifest. May this year be your year of that breakthrough that answer that confidence that touch of god that grace of god may this year be that moment in the name of jesus 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 let god come through for you let him come through for you bring that new one today and be filled be filled with his presence in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of Jesus, talk to him. You have the opportunity to talk to him. Come on. Come and this Continue to pray. Believe in God that God can come through for you this morning, continue to pray. I want you to know that the presence of the Lord is among us and he's ready to minister to some of us. I want us, anybody who is believing God for what daddy has just mentioned. You are believing God for healing in your body you are believing God for a breakthrough in your finances in the name of Jesus 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 now whatever thing that you are trusting God for may it come to pass in the name of Jesus I pray that the God that answered by fire say you speedily in the name of Jesus. May all your heart desire, may whatever thing you have been entrusting God for, may God do it for you in the name of Jesus.